Jesus is king. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Did I did I mention Jesus? What's that noise? Is that ketchup? Is that hunts? Ew, gross. Welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast, where every week we talk film, TV, music, God, mm-hmm. yeah, the Lord. We talk in Yandi, or not Yandi. I do. I I really hope there's like one dude out there who like this made him religious, like this album. It's like it's like <laughs> well, the coloring book of this year, where somebody listened to it and they're like, I believe like, in God homie. now. <laughs> you ruined my take. <laughs> Well, you already were um, a um, Pentecostal Christian. Well, now I'm f- full-on Puritan. Oh. He has been raping children nonstop since listening to this album. I, I Just like how my, the Catholic Church would do it. I stuff my face with Chick-fil-A mm. on a regular basis. But only on Sundays. Right now. Great. Lyric of the year right there. We're, we're going to get into it. Welcome to the show. We bought a mic. A fun mix of fun banter and careful critical analysis. I'm Ernest Calderon. I'm Jesus-loving Hunter Mobley. Um, and I am, after listening to this album, I am Shiite Muslim Drew Dietzen. <laughs> <laughs> this album had the opposite effect on you. Yeah. Well, before we get into Kanye, we have a listener email. I'm excited about this. Ernie, uh, Ernie actually did- wouldn't tell us who sent it, which, y- listen, you better do a good job of masking the name because if it's like... E. I hope it's like E. Dot Arnest. Yeah, they're like, hey, we got this crazy uh, email from a guy named Burnest. Yeah. I don't know who that is, he, but uh... he says he really likes me only. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this email, and if by the way, if you want to email us, it's webottomike at gmail with your feedback, takes recipes. I'm always looking for some vegetarian recipes. Hey, so I got I got the hookup. I just got the book or, Serious I mean, Eats. I can review that today. Okay, I'm on. Are it. you still? I, uh, do you still use your air fryer? Um, no, don't have one. Don't know what you're talking about. Is this a bit? I, no, I'm sorry. Let's, let's rewind the it. The red thing. Wait, you don't have. Uh, yes. And I like it. <laughs> I don't, Wait, I don't have an air. I fryer. did want to make one thing clear. You only said for vegetarian recipes, I do eat meat. So if you have non-vegetarian recipes, I will use them if you send them in. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So cover that base. Matthew Kotcher, Matt. Oh, Matt. no fucking way. Yeah. Our oh. old boy. I miss Matt. Uh, I miss you, Matt. He Thanks has for ears that work. Thanks for uh, writing in. It's been years and years. He says, hey, you beautiful people. Oh. Just movies I watch slash have on, have on my mind lately. And then he actually ranks them. Oh, shit. Midsommar is greater than Coherence, is greater oh. than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Is greater than Hereditary dot dot dot. I only watch Midsommar and Once Upon a Time in theaters, though. Hereditary in theater would have been way better, I imagine. Definitely. I love yous, Matt Kotcher. Thanks for the email, Matt. Um, so who wants to destroy his take? Well, no, so here's first thing. I actually kind of I like parts of that take. First of all, I know we at the We Bought a Mic family have been huge stands for the coherence. Uh, the Amazing 2014 movie. film. 13, 14, 2013, something, like, something that. like that. Super low budget. Micro look budget. For it, look for it anywhere you can find it. It's called Coherence. It is a fucking masterpiece of a micro budget movie. Yeah, if you, if you um, want to know... If you want to feel bad about yourself giving you, yourself excuses that you can't make something... Watch this movie because they made a phenomenal sci-fi movie with glow sticks. Yeah, it's it's that's it. Absolutely <laughs> incredible, great premise. Um, I do also, I've I think I said it before when we did the Midsummer pod, but I my take is that I like Midsummer over Hereditary. Once upon a time is once upon a time is that's right so, too low in that list. Still haven't exactly like per se seen Midsummer. Um, well, you lived it. <laughs> when you were on your trip to yeah, uh, how Eastern was Sweden? Europe. Yeah, um, I don't really want to talk about it, um, but it's fine. Uh, I I think that I like the bit of self awareness there that you know that Hereditary may be higher if you had seen it in a theater because that very 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 true, <laughs> Matt. Um, also, uh, we gotta respect the opinion because this is one of the better actors we know. He was the co star along with all of us in Ernie's. 
short film. Roscoe's Patience. Find it yeah. on YouTube. Use the knees. Uh, yeah. Film titled by me. It's it's a borderline uh, art experimental. It's pretty art house. It's yeah. kind of like our coherence. <laughs> well, <laughs> as in that it's not very coherent. Yeah, in incoherence. Um but yeah, no, that that was a blast to make. Um, Maybe one day we'll review like viewpoint and and Roscoe's patience. Oh, yeah. I am ready Fam- to do famous directors react to their first films. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll find like all of the uh, all of the cut footage on some hard drive and I'll make like a director's cut because uh, we made that for a five minute film festival, so it had to. It couldn't be a second over five yeah, minutes. Yeah, and it was a way over five minutes. <laughs> the first guy, you're like, all right, so the first guy, it's 14 minutes long. There was one, um, one you had one pan do? shot from the sun down to the ground that was five minutes. That, yeah, and that did, not, that did not make the cutting floor. That well, was you, like, yeah, you ultra fast it. forwarded it and just yeah. went like, <laughs> down to the ground. Amazing film. Uh, re- respect you, Matt. You brought his a lot performance. To- yeah, in the film. you killed it. Yeah. Really funny. It's uh, it's one of the all time. Yeah, I went too over the top. I'll admit it. No, um, you're you're really good. Hunter is the star, though. Yeah, Hunter slayed. <laughs> I didn't even. You cut out my big monologue that I gave, and I'm very upset by that. I've never forgiven you for it. Well, that was um, all. But- uh, you you did that off the cuff, and there was a lot of questionable stuff about like Obama. <laughs> Well, and, uh, yeah, that was part of my character. <laughs> yeah, Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis can do it. I can, too. He does this. All his movies. It's true. Ernest, I, what's your take on that ordering of movies? I I honestly stand by it. I mean, it's not my personal ordering, but I love seeing coherence that high up, you know? Big so respect. Any, any chance I see a little micro-budget take on the big old Tarantino machine is great, even though Once Upon a Time... It's probably my favorite film of the year so far, but uh, Midsommar, I wish I loved that movie more. Mm. Uh, It's worthy, though. It's definitely worthy. Um, I just had a few problems with it. I'm, I'm interested about, like... The com- the the head to head matchup between Midsommar and, and Hereditary just because the general the- selection of all these films is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's like two this year, one last year, and then one like 2013. Midsommar, it. <sighs> I really want to rewatch that movie if I can ever bring myself to do so, because I I wonder if on a second viewing my problems would fade away, as I imagine they they might. Um, but I mean, it's it's just one of those movies that you gotta it, it, you if you have an appreci- an appreciation for cinema, you can't like really write it off, you know. Even if there are some things in my opinion that don't yeah. work about it, it's so like. And you know, it's you'll like, see it. It's, it's like it's, no, it's like when you get home from a long vacation. You know, lot to unpack here. It's, yeah. <laughs> well, it's one of the most unsettling movies I've ever seen. It takes place in broad daylight, and that is just amazing. Yeah. It's a fun sit, guys. Like, just grab your new relationship partner that you're in, and then just like sit down for a fun first date. Great first date movie. Yeah, we know <laughs> a friend of the pod who did that on a first date, and I don't think that they're talking anymore. Oh boy! So shout out to them. I mean, um. He died, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rip. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of great movies to go see on a first date, anyone catch uh, Jesus is King in IMAX this weekend? Mm. The big release? You mean the movie that made, uh, let me pull up the actual number here. Vamp for me real quick. Keep vamping for me. Um, Uh, $57,000 opening up on 376 IMAX screens. Wow. Wow. Uh, You know, it didn't really have that much of a lead up. Uh, but the album is out. Uh, the album that may or may not have been called Yandi at one point. Um, great name, Yandi. I would have loved that. Anyway, follow up to 2018's Yay, uh, which we all, you know, I don't. We don't even need to restate our takes. Our takes are the right. Well, ones. how how do you feel about this album in comparison to Yay? Um, is it about the same? This album, better worse, to me has the same number of good songs, but it's also about double the size. So that's what I call a classic problem. Hmm. Well, it, is it though? It's it's not it's double the size. It's only twenty five, twenty six minutes or something like that. I did want to correct myself. Uh, this movie actually made eight hundred thirty thousand dollars as of today. Yeah, so, lengthwise, it's, it's about the same size, but the uh, amount of songs there are a lot Amazing. of songs that you would call interlude songs that they were on any other Kanye album because they're not a whole song. 
they're they're like a quarter of a song but if most of the songs are half a song then we have an issue kanye so i uh i agree with that completely if it seems like like i really like some of the elements of this um he did kind of bring over from the yay sound a little bit more of this minimalist sound that it's minimalist but it's very um very vast in a soundscape and uh to that point, it kind of feels like unfinished, um, which yeah. I really like For certain sure. aspects of a lot of the songs, like especially a um, couple of songs in particular. Use This Gospel with Clips and Kenny G. A that's fucking the one, amazing song. That's the one with the saxophone. The ding, 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 yeah. ding, the, ding, the ding. huge saxophone yeah. solo. Well, more at importantly, the end. Clips. Yeah. That's fucking huge to get Clips. Re- I mean, this was the only way to do it because. Clips obviously was Pusha T and no mal er, and malice back in the day ended up becoming a reformed Christian, changing his name to No Malice, uh, mm. and essentially not rapping anymore. He's fucking back. Uh, not saying that there wasn't a little bit of rust um, flow, uh, a little more similar to Pusha than it used to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but still, I was really happy to hear them back. Clips is a, a group I've been getting really into lately, as a. Um, reformed pusha fan myself um he so, sounds a lot like pusha yeah that's what i'm saying the flow was identical and they they had a lot of similarities when they were in a group together obviously but it wasn't like this either way i really like that song i you know it got roasted for sounding like a car alarm the one note yeah. that's played i absolutely love it i like it i like um, see i like certain aspects of the minimalist sound yeah well and then of yeah. course follow god is more of a classic uh banger like that's just a good song uh, I haven't seen a take that says otherwise because that is just a very straightforward hip hop song, which Kanye is still good at doing. Uh, not that he's fucking interested in doing that for whatever reason. It's only a minute and forty five seconds long. Yeah, though. exactly. So this this is the problem I'm having yeah. is Ghost Town is a great song. Ghost Town's also like I'm gonna say at least five minutes, something like that. Uh, so you get you get a whole song in there. Uh, this is a short boy. <laughs> There's no the, song over. Th- three and a half minutes on this i think 334 is yeah and most are like in the ones right like ones or twos yeah ones or twos yeah Uh, i do like i think other than use this gospel i think my favorite might be sella i really like the the building chorus on that the hallelujah hallelujah it just like it really it feels like kanye in a in 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 such a, no, I a agree. good way. Well, they're know? they're this is why it's infuriating because the ingredients are there and you hear it and we we know what he's done before. It's not like, you know, when someone finally puts it together after like three albums of not having it together, you you get that feeling of like uh that feeling of like long awaited satisfaction. Well, a triumph. This is the opposite of this that. This is not a triumph. I mean, this might be a little bit of a triumph in the sense that like he has found God and 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 is dealing with his mental illness and his problems by connecting to his faith. And honestly, like, good for him. You know, if he is, you know, coping with with the whole mental illness thing and 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 getting better. I I appreciate that. The album may not be great, <laughs> but it at least means that he's on a path to m- hopefully getting better. Well, and I think that while we have been doing, I, I agree with you. Like, if this is his way of a coping mechanism, it might not be my favorite albums of his, but at least he is doing that. But there is a fundamental problem here, where even wherever there are some like banging beats, the lyrics on here just aren't very good. Um, and I don't know if that's because you might check almost well before before we even get to that line like I just kind of was listening to this like briefly on my way over here today and like would try and just to keep in my head like which songs are which with the titles and everything so I'd like kind of skip through and over the half the time when I jumped to the middle of a song it was just Jesus <laughs> like it's and I don't know if that's why this album is so short is because he just kind of ran out of ideas to sing about Jesus um, with um, but I, there's, I mean I will say that, uh, gospel music is bad because of that as well yeah well but I mean there's that this album is also like kind of littered with like near blasphemous uh, lines about like basically comparing himself to Jesus the way he's been persecuted by the media yeah. it's like well this isn't great gospel music this is, comparing yourself also is Jesus is of, all about uh, forgive forgiveness yeah this and is uh, that is not what work. you are doing yeah. and well, I am a god off of Jesus yeah like so the album is called Jesus you can't <laughs> rap about 
like and try and like make all these songs about how like fuck the hypocrisy in the world, man. When he's been like one of the most hypocritical um, artists. Hurry up with my damn croissants. Well, it <laughs> it worked in Yeezus, and it's worked for like most of his discography because uh, the music was good, <laughs> and it's not coming off as too self serious. Well. The the thing that because I was like I was listening to it I you know like most people I did not go in with very high expectations which is tragic to say about you know arguably the artist of a generation that we're going in at this point with low expectations um, and I was like okay with it I was like this is yeah you know what it could have been worse definitely um, there are songs in here that I like that is a pleasant surprise at this point however I I remembered all the way back in oh four oh five. I don't know if you guys ever saw this, but 60 Minutes did a, a whole piece on a young rapper named Kanye West. And the entire premise of the piece, uh, as 60 Minutes does a lot, they always have like a hook. Like it's a one sentence long hook that they can put in all their promos during football where it's like, he's a Christian rapper, but he sure doesn't sound like one. And then they like did a, you know, a cut of like him being like, fuck shit, fuck shit, strippers. Uh, no <laughs> yeah and then the, the, the that song is bars honestly <laughs> better than half of this album um but yeah they ran a whole thing about that and they're interviewing him about like how can you do this how can you talk about these disgusting things and how you know your arrogance while still being a christian rapper and he was like because i'm a human being like we we're all sinning i just know i am uh and what sunk it for me is in that piece i rewatched it recently it's a classic um, it, like that's what introduced me to Kanye when I was a little kid. Um, they're playing Jesus walks and that is a song that is very, very Christian. And it's also one of the best songs of the 21st century. Well, it's how so, people were introduced to him and, too. And yeah. And also first album. that's all to say that your religion does not have to get in the way of the quality of your art. Like that's not what is sinking this album. You can make Christian music. That is great music. Like that's not a scapegoat for this album. This is just not great music. I have um, I have the lyrics to Jesus Walks pulled up right now. I, that's the, what oh, I was that. just pulling up now because there's the whole line about sex, drugs, videotapes. But if I rap about God, my record won't get played. On his first album, he was trying to do this. Yeah. Well, let this take some words. Here's a couple other Go lines. Ahead. God, show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down. The only thing I pray is that my feet don't fall me now. I want Jesus. And then later on, next verse, he says, to the hustlers, killers, murderers, drug dealers, even the strippers, Jesus yeah. walks for them. I wait, I wanted to bring that up because that's uh, maybe low-key the funniest Kanye lyric that he's like, hustlers, strippers, or gangsters, murderers, <laughs> drug dealers, even the strippers. <laughs> like, they're the worst out of, out of the bunch. Really, yeah, that's funny, but... You're, you're seeing what I'm saying. This is like a deeply Christian song, and it's often forgotten that he started off as literally branding himself as a Christian rapper, but also everything else, a self-aware rapper, a self-made producing actor or rapper, um, a very you know small parts hood rapper. Like he could do it all, and that's why like non-Christians could still listen to the music. Like I don't know any Christians who at all really, but um, especially at this point, it's yeah. like it's like. In 2019, after everything, are you really going to be like, oh, finally, a Kanye record for me? Yeah, yeah. Like, the, <laughs> his on. his reputation is not going to be salved by any amount of songs about God. And it's great because one thing that you have you got to say about Kanye is his music is, for, like, music that often makes the radio, it is a lot closer to a pure expression of feelings than most other uh, artists who make the radio yeah um i mean that's why we like yeezus so much because that is the purest expression through production Ego. of feeling yeah uh, just pure feeling um and if this is what he's feeling then you know i'm glad he made this but it's not good music and it's right. not because of the religious also part. we should bring up the chance album earlier this year which has been kind of similarly maligned but you know there's nothing wrong with loving your wife <laughs> That's not a bad yeah, thing. I love riding but, a bike with my wife. Yeah. There's better ways to do it, though. But like no, that. but that doesn't mean that just because that's what your album is about, that it's automatically going to be good, right? So yeah. it's like, love your wife all you want, but if you make an album that's all about that, you're kind of, you're going to run into a wall, you know, a little bit, because there's only so much you can say about that, unless it's like, you find some way to get really emotional about it 
And, you know, granted, I'm sure that there's people that think that the Chance album's super fun and, and light and quirky, you know? Don't, hot damn hot water, yeah. hot shower. If you feel that <laughs> way, uh, don't send us an email at webottomike.com. <laughs> I mean, I, but I, I've been saying this for a while now, like off mic with you guys, that I think that Kanye is now in this really weird phase where everything post beautiful dark twisted fantasy he's trying to get back to his roots and wherever you keep in mind that he started out as a producer for other people it makes sense why his music has been so overly produced and sometimes it works really great like i think like Jesus is the perfect example of it's so heavily produced but it's amazing and then you get life of pablo which i like some tracks on there but that album is a bit of a mess and then you have yay and now this and the production on it is good for the most part but it's taking away from the fact that he's not really been rapping the same. Even on Yeezus, it's a serious downgrade as far as lyricism goes from Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Yeah, that's why, that's one of the best stories about Yeezus is he was recording it uh, in Rick Rubin's studio. And he finished recording the whole album. And uh, he was like, you know, all right, uh, comes out in a week. Uh, time to write the lyrics. <laughs> and Rick was like, wait, what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, no, I don't have any lyrics yet, but I'm going to by the time it comes and, out. And, and he did. The sentiment has carried over to the Yeah, but the, that music was like made to have like just purely emotional and also very funny lyrics. Yeah. Like that album is perfect to me because of that. But the this album could require it, it could use some thought it could use some some self-reflection on a deeper level than what we're having here i think in a way it is worse than yay but then when you tie in the the fact that maybe there is some personal growth happening here and some uh dealing with problems and and uh <laughs> mental ish mental illness uh treatment maybe perhaps then uh, you could say that it does kind of rise to a little bit of a higher level just because of that. But uh, uh, musically, they're kind of on the same sort of bottom yeah. tier. I, I don't know. I mean, they're pretty similar for me to me. Uh, I do like a Kanye re-listen through to his discography every few months because in the day, Kanye is still like one of my favorite artists of all time. Like his first four albums are all masterpieces five albums are all kind of masterpieces even 808s i really really love that album but like and yay has kind of grown on me a little bit if anything the one thing good thing about yay is that it never overstays its welcome because it is so short 23 minutes it never and i mean you can say that's incomplete and you're not wrong by saying that and maybe that's just Kind of, it's kind of the same sentiment that I feel here on this one. Is like, it's not my favorite, it's not my cup of tea, but it's not an hour and a half long Chance the Rapper album about loving your wife. Actually, it, you you uh, kind of raise an interesting. Uh, we're a year removed from Yay at this point, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking too early with Jesus is King, but I I feel like this era of Kanye's career we might look on yay more fondly i like i really right like now. some i mean good chance with the Yikes way things are going song. the thing the thing yeah, is i mean you're a big fan of uh uh life of pablo and we're already looking yeah on yeah that more fondly yeah exactly three years later <laughs> y'all didn't know what was coming Mm -hmm. I like Life of Pablo. It's just a, it's a mess. Yeah, it's I don't, I don't. It's kind of a beautiful a, mess at times. I mean, but. that's why I like that it's called Life of Pablo. It is like, it, this is really, really pretentious, but it did conjure up images of like Picasso later stage when he was just going fucking nuts, right. which to me is better than realism. You know what I mean? Uh, that said, you're, I think you're right. Another thing that I've been thinking about a lot because of this album is uh, just the way that we listen to music. It, it's complete it's changed so goddamn much hot take um <laughs> but like back in the day it was a lot easier to lose tabs on an artist particularly if they were no longer getting radio play like this album is not going to get much of yeah um like if let's say like sinatra let's say you just started putting out like really bad albums you would just not hear them because if they didn't hit the radio you would have to then buy them and you probably wouldn't do that because you had 10 cents and you had to spend it all on pickles or whatever back then. I don't know what they ate. Um, Just pickles exclusively. This is why, like, you know how you're saying, like, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy, you know, that he's showing personal growth. Um, he could do that without releasing a single goddamn thing. Yeah. Or at the very least, 
like the old days, he could be releasing stuff and it wouldn't be an international phenomenon the right. way that he made we're in, it. We're in the Twitter, Instagram yeah, it's, era. It's so easy to hear it. And also, it's so easy to see everyone on Earth talking about hearing it when it comes out. And I wanted to hear it. I'm glad I heard it because I'm, a, you know, we're all a part of the arc of our favorite artists now in a way that we were definitely not back in the day. But it's also with, with the internet, there's this need to share and, and update your life, the, what's happening in your life, right? So to a musician, it's kind of like the equivalent of... A, of a of a Twitter update of an Instagram post, you know, it's Kanye putting out this album that's, uh, in the grand scheme of things, not even close to his best work. But it's a way of kind of like putting that that social update of or, how he's doing. Or I mean, another thing, and maybe it's just like the cynicism in me talking, but maybe this is all just an elaborate, like my bad guys for the debacle that he went through over the last couple of years with the Trump fiasco and everything else being like, look, I'm good now. Reaffirm my faith. I love Jesus. I love yeah. Jesus. We are all good now. I mean, there was the whole thing that came out with um how he donated a bunch of money to like the Atlanta children's choir, and they were like, "No thanks, you're a Trump boy. <laughs> you're a MAGA boy. No thanks." And like millions of dollars, they're like, "Now nah, we're good." Um, but and I do kind of wonder if maybe this is because Kanye is a genius as like kind of crazy yeah. as he is. He is a genius, and maybe he's like, "Man, I really need to like." help get boost my persona a little bit yeah it's just it's just whatever like we know too much about what's going on with him we do it that's i mean that's part of this machine that is killing all our favorite artists is like they are under this magnifying glass that we all love to be a part of and celebrity is a sickness it's on a level that even 20 years ago it wasn't even like a millionth the size of this because like for example uh, until until I told my dad, he didn't know that Michael Jordan is a bad guy, and he's like a horrible person. But his PR was so good, right. and you just didn't get to see every little tidbit of his life and hear, you know, some rando on Twitter now could go viral like, "Yo, Kanye just called me a bitch," you know, like that didn't exist. So like, it's just it's frustrating. It's, it, it, this whole thing is frustrating. It's to a me. it's a it's a dark cloud that eventually gets. It gets to everyone. Like, look at Frank Ocean, you know, someone who has worked tirelessly to stay out of the limelight. And now he's being mm. attacked for uh, not uh, approaching his gay club the right way yeah, and not like branding hey, it properly. I tell and not you what, though, it. big fan of that new Frank song, though. I DHL. Re- I really love it. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, you had a, a, a point that um, I wanted to go back to real quick before we, we move on, though, which is. The idea of older artists having like eras of their career that are uneventful. Yeah, they could just go away. And, <laughs> you know, when you look back, like go back and look at like Bob Dylan's discography. And there's there's like, so much shit. Dude, there's yeah, so much shit. And we were talking about knows. this with like Queen. Yeah. Most artists have plenty of shit albums, but it it, it didn't get like 24-7 press coverage where yeah. every citizen is like a voluntary journalist, basically. Yeah. And that it's not like, oh, Kanye's over. Like he's he's never going to be graduation level again. It's like, well, that might be true. But look, did was were people saying that about uh, Queen or Dylan or any of these they, people? Or like or Billy Z- Joel? Like Billy Joel has put out like twenty plus albums. Like any of those yeah. classic artists have put out so much music, and most of it's shit. It usually, it's usually right in the middle of their careers that they have kind of this shit period, and then they have a couple bangers that come out in the beginning, but. 20, 30 years from now, you just know it from the essential Kanye West collection and it all kind of blends yeah. together. Well, and another another greater point that's a little more optimistic is uh, a long time ago, like way long ago, I was talking with Colin in front of the pod and we were talking about how many bands just couldn't overcome the first album in terms oh, of quality. Yeah. And we were thing. and we and there are some that did. And those bands are the ones that are eternal, like the Beatles. Uh, they had a, a linear trajectory that is not normal. <laughs> um but we were talking about it and I was like, man, I just don't get it. And he was just like, you know, I don't, I just don't think that's how music works. Like, I think you just start off stronger and then it just goes well, like generally it just goes a little downhill and that's fine. I mean, I think that it's also a whole thing that we talk about a lot whenever there's like an older band that we love that puts on a new album yeah. and Blade. they change their sound. And a lot of times, especially older fans are kind of a little bit uh, turned off by the change of sound 
but every great band in history has had to evolve and change their sound. Sometimes for the worse, sometimes they're working through it to get to the next sound that we now recognize as a classic signature of them. Yeah. And maybe this is what Kanye is doing now. I mean, I think that it was very purposeful. I was just like, I'm going to, like, there will be no curse words on this album or anything like this. He's trying, maybe it's like you're saying, like we are actually just watching a therapy session because everything Kanye does is theater in a way. Yeah, it's His all whole insane. persona. I guess you either die a punk rocker or you live long enough to see yourself love Jesus. Mm. I'm glad that we've talked about this album for the entire length of the album itself. <laughs> so somebody could just put this on from the beginning. We've probably been talking for it is, this album It is, is. fascinating, uh... though. <laughs> it is fascinating. Even though the album's not great, I... I he, yeah. you can't deny he is yeah. a fascinating. Yeah, figure. my my Love whole hate my whole point earlier was like it's a miracle that we got five albums that are all arguably masterpieces out of this man. Like it's okay if he just kind of fades away now. Mm -hmm. That's okay. That's a part of life, and it would be better for him too, whether or not he wants to. Speaking of being arguably masterpieces. Jenny Slate just put out a new Netflix okay. stand up you, special. You can't you can't say too much because I love Jenny Slate. So, so much. I got to be honest, I didn't really, this wasn't a top must watch thing for me, um, but Lee saw it when I went to go see The Lighthouse. So you mean before you watched it, it wasn't a must yeah. watch? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lee saw it when I went to see The Lighthouse, and when I got back from the movie theater, she was like, I saw it, and then I saw it again immediately after. Mm. And I was just like, oh shit, okay, okay. Let's give this thing a go. And, you know, I was a little apprehensive. I was like, okay, this can't be the second coming of Jesus is King here, but <laughs> let's give it a shot. And, guys, it is so good. It yeah. is so – there's um, there's nobody like Jenny Slate. No. The, it, mm. She is one of a kind. And it hasn't been known. And she is fully herself bearing a lot of, of – really personal shit on this uh on this stand-up special and it's intercut with interviews with her family she interviews her parents and her sisters and they talk about their childhood and their upbringing and she opens up about uh her personal life i, I don't want to get into specifics um does she talk about fucking chris evans i thought she was going to damn it but she doesn't we want to know jenny <laughs> They dated for like two years. She was with was she with MBJ or am I imagining that? She's been with like multiple like hot dudes. Uh no, but she did fuck America's ass. Mm -mm. Um she is now with somebody else, which she she doesn't really get into, but she's now I don't know when the special was shot, but she, now she's engaged to uh another uh just yeah. nice, normal looking man. Uh, but I really recommend this special. It is must watch. Yeah. Je I mean, Jenny Slate is so is, so funny. She's too good for this earth, and in fact, she's too good for Hollywood because uh, they couldn't figure out what to do with her. Yeah, for they put her years. in fucking Venom. Well, they put her in SNL. Um, common misconception that she got fired for saying fuck. She got fired because she wasn't doing well. Um, like she got through a whole season and then mm -hmm. she got let go. I still think she was good that year. I really liked her, but. She got let go from that, and then she just floated around. She got, you know, John, John Ralphio's sister. She's incredible as that, but that role is simply too small for her. She is so big. She is capable of so much. Uh, well, her voice work is great. Big Mouth. Yeah. And, uh, she has Zootopia. an incredible voice. I, I can't recommend enough. You're not going to catch me recommending a lot of episodes of You Made It Weird, because <laughs> that means that I am signing you up for, like, three hours. <laughs> but... Her, she is like after that you are in the church of Jenny Slate because she's one of the only guests, first of all, that can match Pete's level. I can't remember if I've listened to that she, one or not. It's like it's it's a roller coaster. She is both at once the funniest person and also it gets deeply emotional. She's incredible. I'm assuming that's what the special is too. Yeah, yeah. No, she gets very vulnerable, um, in in hilarious ways. You know, it's not like this isn't like a. Do you guys ever see uh, Hannah Gatsby's Nanette? Yeah, uh, I think mm -mm. I believe that is on Netflix, too. Um, but that special, I think, came out last year, maybe the year before. But that special is like it's almost not even comedy at a certain point no, because of how it's message intense forward yeah. and serious it gets. That's not what this is. Uh, Jenny Slate is able to talk about really personal and serious shit without ever getting 
you know, morbid or 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 very um, serious about it. It's not like Patton Oswalt level where you're like crying while you're no, watching the special. No, it's always very hilarious. And like I mean, not to not to hate on that special. Patton Oswalt special is amazing, but like like I said before, she is unlike anybody else. Yeah, so unique, very physical. Making mm-hmm. crazy faces she's, and her body yeah. movements. She's been she has been not utilized, not even underutilized. Her true she hasn't been able to let loose. And the second I saw this news, I was like, oh my god, finally. I yeah. hope that this will be like a breakout for her and that she'll actually get some more uh at least mm-hmm. like maybe not roles, but like a little bit more notoriety. Well, for her. I yeah, believe it pay, is make her, people more aware. I she, believe it is her first stand up. Yeah, special. exactly. She's well, she has been one of those tweeners in between sketch and uh improv and stand up. Okay, listeners, if you have never watched Kroll Show, go <laughs> on YouTube and just search Jenny Slate Kroll Show. Nice to niece. Incredible. <laughs> fucking Liz, Liz and Liz. She's iconic. I'm Liz. <laughs> in the smallest parts ever, she's fucking iconic. Like, And also, she's been in the Netflix algorithm for years now through um, all this shit that she's... Like, Obvious Child was on there. Um, she starred in that. Uh, Parks and Rec, of course. Did she write that? Obvious Child? No, she did not. Okay. She just starred. But she's, she's fucking awesome, dude. Like Obvious Child, uh, it was nominated for a bunch of indie stuff. It won some. Uh, uh, looks like she won the Critics' Choice Award for Best Actress in a Comedy. Mm. So you know she's been a little bit of a yeah, like you said, very under the radar. But uh, I I just I can't recommend this enough. I I might see it again and and lean a third time for her because it <laughs> is that good. I while I was in the middle of it, I I was like, oh yeah, I can. A hundred percent see why you would want to rewatch this because there's just little jokes here and there, and just to just to kind of be with her, you know, to mm-hmm. to experience this funny person and and uh, and take in her mannerisms and her uh, it's ins- voice. I'm so happy that you love it this much. Oh yeah, because she fantastic it's you know i was talking uh probably a couple weeks ago on the pod about uh, this uh blossoming lgbt uh comedy scene in new york and she can be seen as one of the predecessors to that scene not in an lgbt way but one of the hallmarks of that style of comedy is it stemmed from alternative rooms and it's it's very theatrical it's it's very open and theatrical and that's what she is like she, she, the the moment is right now for her type of comedy, and she's just been in the rafters for years now. It almost gave me Bo Burnham vibes without the singing, yeah, and, and the, with that, and also without I'm assuming distance between her and the audience. Yeah, there's right? no meta ness to it, but just just the the uniqueness of it. Yeah. So that's Jenny Slate uh, stage fright. It's on Netflix right now. Highly, highly recommend it. Uh, real quick, super brief. Uh, tease for next week we will be reviewing robert eggers 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 the lighthouse which is in very limited release right now it's Um, going wide this weekend like as wide wide as a movie like this can get i don't know how much money a24 is going to throw behind this thing because they might have been cleaned out by midsomar i mean they are pushing this movie hard which is kind of surprising after seeing this movie because so if you're listening to this podcast and you're probably a fan of like actual quote unquote capital F film uh, and maybe you'll like this movie more. But for general audiences, I feel like they will kind of hate this movie or like fall asleep or go to the bathroom 12 times during it or not know what to make of it because at uh, all. I, it seemed I don't want to say that this movie is challenging, but. There is like a little bit of a disconnect for an average film goer to see this. I think it is this challenging. Is, it, it is challenging to a certain extent. This is a movie. It is all black and white. It's about eight, two 1890s lighthouse keepers uh, shot in a square aspect ratio. This is as art house as a as like a higher budget budget. I think was about four million dollars or so. But it stars two daddies. It stars two. A-listers. Mm-hmm. Robert Big Dick Defoe. Robert Pattinson and Willem Defoe. We gotta start calling him Big Dick Defoe. Yeah. Big, Big Dilly Willie. Big Dick uh, Willie. Yeah, that's I, good. But this movie is like, it's one of the most unique movies I've ever seen in my yeah. life. It is bizarre. It's uh, just very opaque and angular. I am baffled by it. I, I need to see it a second time to wrap my head around it because... I left the theater, uh, you know, 
very admired by it, but also very confused and just I I don't I don't want to form a, a full opinion on it just yet because I was kind of like so taken aback by it that I was like, okay, I I need to see it again. And after a second viewing, I feel like I can have a, a better take All on right. it. So next week, folks. So next week we'll be talking about the lighthouse. Uh again, I was just very perplexed go see this movie it's not doing great it's bizarre um it's it's making about 3.6 million so it is like it might just kind of get it's getting up to its production budget but like we've said a24 is advertising the shit out of this movie so hopefully it'll be able to at least break even so robert eggers will be able to do more weird shit like this between this and the witch the vava itch that came out a few years ago which is one of the best horror movies of the decade i rewatched it last night what a movie what a fucking masterpiece i there's a moment in the witch um have you seen it drew it's on netflix (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yes uh i'm good at having a film podcast so of course i would have seen it and also the lighthouse and also i didn't watch parasite two hours ago so (laughs) there's a movie or there's a scene in the movie where robert eggers in his first movie first debut movie where you're so sucked into what's going on that you like for a second forget that you're watching a movie. <laughs> it's you're it's, so transfixed into the shit that is happening on screen that you're like for a second you think that you're seeing something real. It's okay. the same thing that we talked about before with Ari Aster where I love that this is like that people as somebody who grew up watching scary movies when i was way too young to be watching scary movies i'm so glad that the horror genre has now put out two like two directors that's like oh yeah we're gonna be watching this guy's movies for the next 25 years yeah and also not horror but in the same vein of coming out of the gate real weird yeah uh, your ghost yeah. Yes. Yeah. Your yeah. Ghost Co- too. He came straight out with the weirdest shit I've ever There's seen. There's a life. little <laughs> bit of there is a little bit of your ghost Lanthimos vibes to the lighthouse in just kind of yeah. how like bizarre and flat some of the dialogue it's like funny it's very flat like dry humor but it's also just like very poetic in Mm -hmm. this weird same thing uh, like sailor kind of vibe to it the Um, witch is all in in like shakespearean 17th century old english so do i have time to do watchmen ep one uh yes and have you, saw, have you guys seen up too? Yes. yes. Damn it! <laughs> Every time it's like, what? What is it? All my fault? Yes. No, it, we fine. can't help it that we get those sweet HBO screeners. All what right. did you think Big of the pilot? Now. So, really, really liked it. Uh, a, a couple issues. I'm not gonna be, you know, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but it was, you know, it was enough to be like, all right, well, I'm gonna watch this show till it ends. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't the type of issue that's like, uh, I might be out. It was like, no, this mm-hmm. is, this is still. Lindelof does Watchmen. Um, but yeah, uh, a couple things that were known before this came out and are still true. Regina King is the greatest. Yeah, we, I, we didn't even mention her last week, and I feel bad oh, about it. Well, there we go. She's uh, that was that was known, and now it's still known. She's just the greatest. Um, Tim Blake Nelson, I love. Yeah. I Everything about his character, the mask design, all of it, absolutely perfect The to me. scene in that oval circle the rorschach room yeah the pod thing um one thing that confused me about this was some of the music choices actually for example in that scene do you remember what the music that plays it's techno music was that diegetic or non-diegetic we don't know because it starts right when they press the button on the rorschach room so are they playing dubstep when they're like (laughs) why it's part of it's like a it's like an interrogation tactic. I know. It just struck me as uh, silly a little bit. It took me out of it just a little. I was like, this is drum and bass during this well, it's, really it's, visually based scene. It's Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Yeah, I know. Nine uh, Inch Nails. Which, yeah, which we love them. Um, that just kind of, it kind of made me laugh a bit. <laughs> um, there were a couple of other scenes where the, it's it might be because we're coming from Leftovers, which has the best understated score of any mm-hmm. show I've ever seen. And this and this show cannot have an understated score. Don't get me wrong. Like it has to have it has to ramp it up. This is a whole different tone. Um, But sometimes it sounded a little dated to me. And that surprised me because it is Reznor and he's been on the cutting edge. But it was mostly during the more intense scenes uh, whenever slow music played. Amazing. 
synths, every choice was right. And then sometimes whenever they ramped it up, it was just a lot of like, like, I think my, are we still there? (laughs) I think my view of that, I think it's two things. One, it's based on a comic book from the eighties. So maybe it's trying to harken back to that a little bit. And also just this world is not our world. They don't have cell phones. They still use pagers. <laughs> uh, people are reading newspapers instead of looking at their phones. So there is some like retroness to it. It's, yeah. I um, mean, there's a lot about this world that like I'm kind of fascinated to dive more into because it's 2019 but it's not quite our 2019 one quick note about the um the score because i just watched episode two before coming over here to do the podcast today and uh it's definitely it's not as intense you could say mm. um yeah it, the pilot's super explosive just because it has to i don't lay, think that's what the show's going to be it has to lay all this groundwork for what this world is episode two really tones things no, down i'm i was a, that was another reason that i was whenever there was like some heavy-handed dialogue i was like i bet this will be ironed out by the second episode speaking yeah. of iron inject mm. that <laughs> one scene into my fucking dick <laughs> that was the best scene i've ever seen in my life i jeremy so, irons in those two fucking weirdos so that is something oh my before God. you got here today i went up to earth and i was just like yeah so what the fuck is happening oh in it's like a different God. show but i love it <laughs> i like, love it so it's much like your ghost yeah <laughs> it's like the favorite but like also like kind of lynching though how he hands him a horseshoe <laughs> Instead of a knife, it's so bizarre. Like, truly, it is the most bizarre that, thing ever. That I was love it. the most euphoric I've been watching something in so long. I was like, "This is perfect." Yeah. I don't know what is happening, and I love it so much. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's very Lindelof. You know, it's like it's like sex orgy boat vibes a little bit. You know, just like fuck me up. I don't know what's happening, but yeah. give it to me. I have. I've kind of enjoyed. Um, all of the uh, reviews, mostly just from random, like the, I looked through the IMDb reviews uh, for the show. A lot of MAGA boys in there. Uh, well, a lot of people who just like didn't get Watchmen to begin with. Like uh, one of my favorite ones was the new show Too Political. Should have stuck with the source material that had no political learn- leanings at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Red Watchmen. <laughs> the fuck. But it's that's awesome. It's funny because it's that's what is one thing that I love about the first episode is that it establishes very clearly like, hey, this is not a show for everyone. Um, like taking yeah. away like the political issues aside. The, the political standings that it takes it's just the f- how this whole show is presented with the story and nothing being explained to you about this world you're just like yeah i mean cops their guns are just like locked in there like it just like is all visual storytelling mm-hmm. to a point where it can be very confusing like everything else that Lindelof has done with lost and leftovers but it makes you work for it yeah um that well those reviews they blew my mind when you and Dane, friend of the pod, were sharing these to us because, like, the politics of the show are not leaning really far in either direction, in my opinion. It's just like, hey, like, Nazis are bad, guys. I didn't think well, we need to be reminded it, of And that. it's more of, like, this was one thing that I'm not saying it's already a problem, but, like, it could get murky here uh, because I was getting a little bit, I'm not, I don't want to make this comparison. I don't want to break you guys' hearts. I was a little bit vibes of Bright. Um, just a tad in terms of these politics where it's like flipping metaphors, but not all the way, like, see what I did there. You know what I mean? Like, well, the cops are, are good guys. Um, but, uh, white supremacists are still the bad guys, but also the cops really fucking need their guns and they're dying because they don't have their guns all the time. You know what I mean? It's a little bit of like, uh, I'm not saying that's going to go wrong, but that could end up being really messy. You know what I mean? I, I had a thought during the opening moments of the pilot where I was thinking, you know what the show isn't self-congratulatory <laughs> and Max Landis writer of bright is probably the most self-congratulatory person oh, yeah. in the world. <laughs> and you know, when he was writing the script for bright, he was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so fucking smart. Holy shit. I don't take Damon as being like that. Like definitely but, not that far. And, with and it. also, also, you know, credit to, to all the other people that worked on, including the director. Um, I don't have her name pulled up right in front of me, but just the way that whole sequence is handled, it's you don't get the sense that the, that they're trying to say, like, oh, good for us. We're 
we're telling a really important story here. No, exactly. Like, that's what I'm saying is it's not, it's not like it is, it's if you want to take away an overt message, how could you be like these reviewers when it's like I, a pro cop show? I actually, I found another review <laughs> that I really love that I wanted to read for you guys. <clears throat> Quote. The whole race preaching thing, I kind of get, but it's extremely heavy-handed and disjointed. I imagine the writers of the show are all purple-haired, rainbow-pin-wearing, oh, quote, man. woke yeah. white people patting each other on the back, believing they have really made something deep. Yeah. Um, that That's a that's review not... from a guy who thinks that Laura Dern wrote The Last Jedi. No, that's... <laughs> it's like... But I just... I don't understand how that's the message that you could come away with unless you have some kind of your own prejudices that you're uh, reflecting onto this show. Right. Because this show, it still doesn't explain any of the things. Like, it's just... it's raining squids just fucking roll with it <laughs> that my guy. was great it's, that was awesome I, and i love we were talking about this last week on the podcast but specifically about how the reasoning for why the white supremacists have taken up the rorschach mantle i don't know if you've seen Watchmen. uh rorschach isn't a white supremacist <laughs> but it's how it would happen if this character who stood for justice and truth like a literally like a fucking a uh, true facts person coming out today was just like, yeah, you know, he stood for truth and justice. You know, it's real fucking white people being better. <laughs> like, and it's the, it's the taking it to its next logical conclusion. Yeah. Ro whether it's Rorschach, a good place or a yeah. bad place. Rorschach was very into skull shapes, probably. <laughs> uh, um, I just wanted to, I wanted to bring that up because I'm not, like I said, it, this is just a show that is clearly uh, drawing from modern issues and modern right. times plenty. So, to generate a scene that is it's you know it's not saying it's the point of the scene but the effect of the scene is you being like oh my god i hope that cop gets his gun i hope that cop gets his gun or he's gonna die that has the potential to enter a realm that is really bizarre do you know what i'm saying yeah obviously but the the fascinating thing to me is that we live in ip world so there's no way in hell that hbo was gonna make a show about vigilante superhero cops and not have it be tied to an existing property the fact that we know Watchmen, we know the story we know the world we know the the tapestry that this is expanding upon means that there is an expectation for everything to open up into something larger so that type of of scene with the cop and the 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 sort of pieces that are being set in place there's an expectation that there's more to it than that. No, of and, course. And that, well, this the because this is good and yeah. right is not good. But right. in a vacuum, it's a similar idea. And that's also to say that Bright could have been good if someone that's even a little good wrote it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not like it's not. It didn't ruin anything for me. It just I was like, what are we going for here? What is our motive? Um, either way, though, another big compliment, the highest compliment I can pay. Uh, do you guys know who Red Scare is? You know who's playing him? Who? The Russian mobster from Limitless. Oh, Yo. <laughs> Shout out to yourself. The script that you wrote, Drew. Yeah. It all Damn. I, I like to critique my own work, and I wrote this pilot. Limitless. And <laughs> Are you Damon I, Lindelof? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I, well, one more thing before we wrap this up. Um, I'm kind of preparing now that this show might be a little bit uneven. I think that that goes for pretty much everything that Lindelof has ever touched. Um, but... I love the unevenness to a certain point. Like, even, like, Leftovers is one of my favorite shows ever, and there are weak episodes of The Leftovers. Well, especially I'll in say the it. first season. Especially in the first season. Yeah. And if this show goes for two, three I'm, seasons and Lindelof stays on, it could be an all-timer. Yeah, for could, sure. Oh, I absolutely. mean, but also, like, it's all about, I and I'm hoping that he has learned this lesson from, I'm sure that he has from The Leftovers versus something like Lost, which was not, should not have gone on that long and they didn't plan for it to go on that long so it meanders i don't expect this show to meander but i do expect there to be some clunky episodes here and there but it's like i compare in a lot of ways i kind of think of lindelof and lynch in the same vein where like lynch he can just have a scene where it's just fucking cooper in the red room for three episodes and i'm like i'm all in on this shit <laughs> yeah. like fucking give this to me right now and Do, i am yeah. all jeremy in on irons this. Please. if if please david lynch if irons. david lynch tomorrow released a new season of twin peaks that was just cooper sitting in the red room and like looking around and a 
little person just dancing around him, I would watch that shit like Wait. on fucking repeat. Is that not what the new season was of Twin Peaks? Yeah. I, that's part of it. I that's was under the impression that's kind of the of old. That's the old Twin Peaks. The new Twin Peaks. It's uh, McLaughlin with a giant like nervous system brain tree thing. So. I did want to. I did want to shout out the. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's the greatest show ever of all time. The greatest season of no. television ever. I did want to shout out um, Nicole Caswell. She's the director of Eps One and Two of Watchmen, and very, you know, very well directed. To to kind of tie in all the uh, leftovers and Twin Peaksness of, uh, of of what's happening here, we know that Doctor Manhattan is going to play some sort of role into this story for sure they're teasing the fuck out of it and if i know my boy damon who loves nuclear bombs that take you back to the 1970s and weird (laughs) shaman poison men that let you return back from the dead we're in for some trippy shit, boys. With this no, show. I'm saying that this is going to tie into the lost uh, cinematic universe. No, I'm I'm saying I, that I, Damon, he knows me. He knows <laughs> what I want. Everything the show will be See, for you. This, no, this is the other. This he DM me. <laughs> he. This is the other reason I wanted to air some grievances because I knew that this was what happened last week without you me. You did here. say I uh, knew you it. You did say yesterday on the last week's podcast, Ernest. You said that this was the greatest pilot ever. <laughs> you I, said that this is the greatest pilot. Of I all said time. it's one. Of. I had to pump the brakes on you just a little bit. It's a great pilot. I said it's one of the greatest. <laughs> it's okay. This is like me and Limitless. You know, <laughs> to, like. Either way, there are also I I loved it. I love the whole thing, and there are a lot of things that should not work that do work in it. I.e., uh, Tim Blake Nelson as a hick ass uh, fucking Ugh. what's his name? Uh, Looking Glass. Yeah, Looking Glass. glass. That sh- that should be stupid, and that's perfect. He has an incredible line in uh, episode two that I won't spoil for you, but I was like, oof. Yeah, Brian. And, I mean, and he's a great fucking actor. Any too. final him. thoughts about the episode um, itself? Like I said, any scenes? Or big anything? fan. Uh, excited for the future of this show, regardless of where it goes. Um, Did you ever see the Zack Snyder movie? Yeah, of course. Okay, I actually enjoyed it like it's a decent a, amount. It, it's, I it's, it's my it's favorite. Probably Snyder. his best Snyder yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was saying. Is that it's probably his best movie. It's kind of a mess. Yeah, but, but I it's... I do at times I think that I like it more than a good chunk of Marvel movies, just because it's at least really taking a swing. I want to. Quick note about the new episode. Uh, you know that that little tease that they do for the American Hero story. Yes, they actually show a scene of the show okay. in the second episode. <laughs> Excited for that, and it's like a direct knock at Zack Snyder. Yeah, oh. it is. the way that it's shot and everything. You're like, oh, I'm looking at comic panels right now. Cool. <laughs> So great, so great. All right, well, that about does it for this week's uh, Ketchup Corner. Please be sure to listen to our review of uh, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Um, Mm. And next week, like I said earlier, we have The Lighthouse. And we'll be in November, so things are really going to get hot and heavy with uh, new Scorsese, um, Ford versus Ferrari, uh, do you guys want to see Doctor Sleep? Is that supposed to be good? <clears throat> it's supposed. It no. looks bad. I'm it really kind of bad. I said on the show that I was reading the book and I couldn't finish the book because I was not a fan. I, I have. I'll probably check it out because I see like a hundred movies a year because I hate myself. We're gonna review Arctic Dogs yeah. on here. I I we have, have been getting uh just completely swamped with requests to review Terminator Salvation. Yeah. So fine. You you just been for you've me. sold me. <laughs> I'm gonna go check it out. You know, I'm genuinely I, if it's good, I'm gonna be pissed off. I'm go- going haunting. I've seen every Terminator movie. Oh. at this point, so oh no, yeah. Oh god, yeah. why? Um, I've heard that this one is actually decent, like the best since we, T2. I'm, maybe I've been that teasing been it for a while. We are going to that. do I announcement now. I'm announcing it to you guys as well. Uh, we are going to do a Rambo: Last Blood versus Terminator: Dark Fate. No. No, showdown. we got to do Ter- Terminator versus Arctic Dogs. Those are probably going to share a lot of similarities. Yeah. All tone. right. Well, please email us at webottommike at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at webottommike. Also, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, all that good stuff. Thanks for listening. Recommend it the to your friends. And um, yeah, rate and review, all that good shit. We love you. See you next time. Give, give him a Bye. kiss for the outro. 
Bye bye. We should start giving you kisses. Uh. God show me a way because the devil's trying to break me down. Young and restless, oh. restless. Nigga, might nigga. snatch your necklace oh. and next these nigga. might jack your Lexus. Oh. Somebody tell these who Kanye West is. Oh. I walk through the valley of the shower, death is. Oh. Top floor, if you alone, I leave your breathless. <gasps> Try to catch it.